how many of us recognize that this is what we have within this power this strength this light and how do we use this light to project the shadow on the other side away from us to not feel that we are incapacitated life our world is full of traps all on a journey that journey to discover what lights us up inside what makes us shine yet often a shadow is cast upon this light dimming it diminishing it rendering it obscure unclear and unintelligible each of us following a different path shining our light on what makes us different unique and when one of us shines all of us shine a little bright hello and happy new year thank you for joining us for season 3 of the light inside i am your host jeffrey pisek Sit back and strap in as the journey continues. This is episode number 96. Our greatest source of fatigue is often caused not by work, but by work. Frustration and resentment adding fuel to this raging fire. One often finds themselves convinced superhuman levels of effort are required to achieve one's goals. All stress begins with a single thought. Debbie Fields of the Mrs. Fields Cookie Empire gives us this insight. You don't have to be superhuman to do and be what you believe in. Today we look at how easing stress and anxiety can become your greatest source of renewal and revitalization, creating a pathway which simply flows as we share this conversation with inner power coach Sandeep Nath, bringing a more effective sense of flow to your life. Tune in to find out how on the light inside. Welcome back and thanks for joining us for this, the inaugural episode of the year 2022 as we debut season 3 of The Light Inside. We're grateful for your support and happy you've returned. As we lean into this new year, we're grateful to share this conversation with Sandeep Nath, international Reiki master, Qigong guide, mindfulness coach and author of two books. Sandeep is an expert on stress management and applying ancient oriental wisdom to the modern challenges of life. His time-tested practices are the pathway to highly effective stress release strategies, leading to calm clarity and the enhanced mindfulness needed to navigate a peaceful, fulfilling life. Through his insights, we explore how to create flow and embrace a sense of renewalism throughout every aspect of one's being. Please join us in welcoming Sandeep to the show. Hello, Sandeep. How are you? Hi, Jeffrey. Fabulous, fabulous. Thank you for showing us a little grace as we blow out some of the cobwebs of this past year. We're having a little technical problem today, and grateful for you bearing with us. No sweat, man. You want to breathe? Deep breathe. Relax. <laughs> yeah, this is par for the course for our topic today. How do we example grace under fire as we experience some of those chaotic moments in life? Yeah, so I guess you're getting in the mood. <laughs> <laughs> we just simply roll with it, right? <laughs> Well, I'd like to welcome you into this new year. Thank you for joining uh-huh. us today. 
I'm and excited to talk with you. I, I was so excited to see that I might be the first podcast of the year for you. Yeah, and that, that yeah. great. What a great point to launch a new year into. How do we manage some of the simple stressors in our life? They all are simple unless we make a mountain of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a firm proponent and we make the life we choose to live. And this is where we're going to launch into this new season in 2022. 2022. I've got to let that sink in a little bit. Wow. <laughs> well, I am so grateful to have you join us today as we launch into this discussion, exploring Thank you. how to find more flow in our lives as we simply release those stress triggers. You know, stress is nothing more than a pattern response, often becomes ingrained in our being and definitely a driver for many of our doings in life. How often are we simply being the us that's inside? I think that's a great point to look at today. How do we start to look at forming a changed relationship with what we deem stressful in our lives? How do we create this path that simply flows? The Buddha tells us this great quote, if we listen quietly, you will hear the flow of the universe. That universe is within you, I might add. You feel the rhythm of this universe. You feel this flow. If one chooses to tune in, let's launch in from that spot today. If we might say in deep, how do we start to form this deeper understanding, this deeper listening and this more aware sense of being that allows us to recognize these stress triggers? Well, 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 <laughs> you know, you're so right, Jeffrey. Everybody's got a definition of stress and everybody thinks that they know stress and many think that they need stress. They, they need it for their productivity. They need it for being in top form because if there is no pressure, there's no work done. And so bring it on. That is the basis. That is the root cause of where this malady begins. We haven't understood that there are two types of stress. There's a good stress, which we bring on voluntarily. And there's a bad stress which comes to us involuntary. And very often we are unable to tell the difference or sometimes we are unable to distinguish when something was started voluntarily and it became an involuntary load on our shoulders. So, you know, you start out with the good intent of like we've been doing in the pandemic, getting to, let's say, clean the house every day. Now, now that I, I have the time, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to form a habit. And we're talking about, you know, New Year resolutions and stuff like that. Yeah. And what happens by the 15th of January? This thing that we wanted to do of cleaning that house every day, dusting, cleaning, speak and span. It's no more fun. It's no more what we wanted to test ourselves against. And now it becomes a pressure point. And by the 1st of February, if we continue to do it, because we've got this goal in mind, now we have invented the cause of stress. So we are stressing ourselves out because we're not able to tell where that activity became involuntarily stressful. And that's where we've got to be mindful of where we are with everything that we do in our lives. So since you asked about the triggers, <laughs> there are four stress triggers the way anybody can really understand everything they do in their lives. And there are four Ps. Shall I get on with this or does the concept of good stress, bad stress provoke any questions to begin with? Yeah, I think the first thing from my perspective is we have to 
learn which voice we want to speak life to. I want to speak life to. You may choose to speak life to. Hopefully others choose to speak life to what they want to bring simply to life. For me, the first key, stop listening to any voice which tells you it's hard. If you believe it's hard, it's going to become hard. You're going to see the lens through which you start to view life. If you automatically put the glasses on that says everything I do is stressful, everything I do is a challenge, everything I have to do to grow, evolve, or even be me has to go through some hardship first, you will create the hardship. That's where I'm at. (laughs) We talk about sharing our stories. Why why do we feel we have to simply accept a story that says it's hard? It's about, to me, acceptance. What am I willing to accept? I'm willing to say things can be a potential problem to work through. Things can become a burden. Things can often put you in a frame where you choose to put those glasses on and start to see it in that light. Correct. And that is what we do. When we project something which is not really what it is. Yes. I love the name of your show because, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I, I often say this, that this is you and this is that elephant standing outside your cave. And this is why the demands are so great on you at that point in time to save your family and kids and everything before that elephant barges in then you feel stressed. You are smaller than the problem. Now, the problem is that there are no more elephants coming, but everything else is taken the form of an elephant. City traffic is taken the form of an elephant. A client or a boss is an elephant. Other people's opinions, likes on Facebook are elephants. And we've all been to circuses, right? Even the largest elephant will fall in line and go where you want it to go. It's all a matter of who becomes the ringmaster leading the way. And that's where the name of a show comes in. (laughs) What you've got inside is what they call inner power. That's the light. And when when you're able to cast this light on the elephant, the shadow is not on you anymore. Mm. Now, the thing is, how many of us recognize that this is what we have within? This power, this strength, this light. And how do we use this light to project the shadow on the other side, away from us, to not feel that we are incapacitated, that the demands are overpowering us, are overshadowing us? All you've got to do is look in and look for what, like you, you said in the opening comments about the Buddha, what he said is essentially that you've got the power within. So where is your Buddha, your awakened self. The word Buddha actually means the awakened one. Where is your awakened self and how do you tap into that so that you are one with the biggest of problems you could ever face? So we are all simply one. We are all simply there to be that support for each other, to guide each other, to lift each other up. That's our optimistic view shining light on this world as we lean into 2022. Don't you want ease and flow in your life. You have to embrace the idea of how you want things to be and then offer that not only to yourself. If you don't offer it to yourself, how can you welcome that to others? How can you then extend that as a service to others if you're not willing to see it in yourself first? And there lies another problem, Jeffrey, of this stressed out world. 
that instead of doing what you're doing and what you're saying that we could do, we tend to, like you said, you can tame the elephant. But what do you do when the elephant itself is a projection of your own mind? The reality is not as bad as it seems to you, but you're unable to see that reality because you are magnifying it by the worst case scenario. And that magnitude of problem is far bigger than what you, you know, you don't have to handle it. But because you have decided that this little thing, let's say, of uh, going to the supermarket is going to become a potential source of the Omicron or the Omicron is going to grow into the next big thing. And I'm going to be the first person who's going to get it. Buddy, you haven't gotten to your car yet. The supermarket is something you've been doing all your life. Just go there, go with your normal safety precautions. Be mindful of personal safety and personal care, hygiene and social distancing, and you will be fine. You don't have to project to the next level of the, the next Greek alphabet. Just stay in the moment, do the right things, and stop projecting because those stress elephants, there is no taming them until you tame your mind, until you tame how you're thinking and where is this light that was within being switched off by your own self. Yeah, it's often thought these triggers originate from outside of us, from an outside source. One has to stop and question themselves. Am I placing myself in a victim role? Am I blaming? Am I passing the buck? Until one realizes that source is you, you're going to continue playing that role. Embrace your own sense of volition and awareness. That's right. Life can be complex. You know, we're surrounded by this theory of integrative complexity, that there are multiple senses of reality, multiple possibilities. We each see things through our own eyes, yet we can distill this sense of our being, this meaningfulness we create down to more effective chunks. Sandeep, let's look at how you break this process down to the four P's of managing stress. Yeah, I I like that 4P approach because people find it easy to remember and uh, assess whatever they do against that. Like we just talked about projecting. Now, it's easy to assess whether I am inventing those stress triggers or they actually exist to that magnitude. Because if they aren't that big, why am I making them that big? And if I'm making them that big, I can also make them smaller. And if I can make them smaller, I can be a source for de-stressing other people by getting them to look at the perspective differently. And that's where the second P comes in. You know, that's about how we perceive things. Our perception, the, if we perceive the differences instead of noticing similarities, we will always divide ourselves. And division is a source of relationship stress, is a trigger for that. So we become different communities. We become different entities in conflict with each other. Why? Because we think we perceive things in a unique way, which is the right way. But if we just open to other possibilities, just three words for anything that you say, do or feel, and how else? Just these three words. And how else can it be done? Mm. And how else can I think of it? Yes, and how else? Rather than yes, but. (laughs) Yes, and opens that door, as we've so frequently talked about on our program. 
How are you allowing that door of acceptance to simply open and create the space where you are available to your potential, the potential in the world around you? So right. So right. So this is the problem that we we can easily self-diagnose. If we find ourselves struggling with relationships, struggling with repeated patterns, struggling with problems that keep coming back, then it's not that everything in the world is against you. It's something about you. You know, it's like you're driving the wrong lane and that's why all the cars are coming at you. So all you got to do is stop, assess, turn around, and then you're in the right lane and you go with the flow. So as we learn to self-assess, because we are uh, playing in a childlike manner, you know, uh, with, with that kind of curiosity, we're playing with how we perceive things. Is this it? Or is there another way? We are getting into that mode of getting into the flow. And I think it's, it's easy to understand that when you're with the flow, there's no stress. The stress only comes when you're against the flow. So getting back into the flow by reducing the, the size of whatever we are magnifying our projections as, and by turning around our perceptions and looking at things differently, we, we are getting ourselves away from stress triggers. The third P is positions. <laughs> like you just said, we are so caught up with stuff outside of us. And this could be in the material dimension because we, we want the car, we want the house, we want things that we want to own and prove that we've, we've made it, we've done something with our lives or whatever it is. But it could also be with opinions. We possess an opinion, we possess an idea, we possess a religion or a, a political party or anything which is non-material and get obsessed by it to the point that we don't possess it, it possesses us. Now, when something possesses you, who's got the control? The thing that owns you. So you're giving away your control to the political party, to the religion, to the idea. You're even giving it away to your car. Are you driving the car or is the car driving you? If it's not the right model, you're stressed. Your neighbors have the right model. And then the neighbors change their car six months after you get that one. And you're stressed again. Are you driving the car or is the car driving you? I love looking at that perspective and stopping and saying, we now have autonomous cars that are starting to guide us where we need to go. Are we allowing ourselves the space to be guided where we need to go? Or do we cling to that pattern with that notion of, I have to control. I have to enforce the expectation. I have to validate that then through all these various means. Or do we simply accept who and what each of us is with love and abundance? So that's a very interesting word you brought up there, control. Do I have to control? Not necessarily control. Perhaps influence, because do we ever truly control anything becomes a very divided debate at times. But, and... Okay, that's right. Because I just put my butt in the corner. And (laughs) if we simply look at it from that level of how we're influencing each other, influence bumps us. You know, influence, if we're properly, if we're putting it in that perspective, rightness and wrongness, influence when leveraged creates momentum together. If we're influencing each other in an effective manner, we move forward together. So, perfect. I wouldn't say that um, control is a bad word necessarily. Yeah, yeah. 
But uh, influence, again, is, is a milder word. I'll, I'll bring back the definition of stress that we talked about in terms of what's voluntary and what's involuntary. So when we have the control, when we have the influence, we basically have a desire that's coming from within us to do or to have whatever we're talking about. Now, when that desire becomes outside of us, when it becomes the possession itself is so large that it's obsessing us to be connected with it, that's when we're out of the flow. Then we're involuntarily connected to the idea or the material good or whatever it is. So it's very important to know that it's, it's not a bad thing really to have things under your control. We need to do that for our own sanity. And we need to know that when things reach a point that they, there are too many variables involved, we can exit gracefully without being attached to the outcomes. If we are able to do that, that's when we've got the, the awakened mind, we've got the Buddhahood coming in, because we are giving up attachment to the outcome without chasing it like a mad dog behind a car. That's the guy who's stressed. We look at that idea of the outcome. Are we placing expectation on that first? Expectation warrants validation. Expectation wants an answer. Are we simply getting out of the way? Let all the potential answers be present. Are we getting out of the way? We look at this notion of what I deserve can become entitlement, can become your own limitation because you've already narrowed in the boundaries to say, if it doesn't fall within this, then I'm doing nothing but establishing a level of disappointment. There's a level of letdown, a level of not finding that validation from within. Absolutely. We talk about that projection. We start to, for lack of a better word, puke that out on others. Because that's what happens a lot of times. We're literally puking this energy of expectation and a need for others to validate us, our shadow, our inner self, our subconscious and conscious. Absolutely. That is keeping your control. You're not giving your control away to the others from whom you need validation. You are self-aware. And that, that results in great self-esteem, self-confidence, and um, going with the flow. Just simply opening up and allowing things to move through. So often we look at all of this stuff and the accumulation and the buildup and the buildup. Well, when things build up, what happens? We start forcing. They start pushing themselves out naturally. You know, it's like a geyser. We watch the geysers in the natural parks. All this pressure builds up and what does it do? It finds its way out. Usually when it's finding its way out, it's not doing so in a very efficient and effective manner. Great. Turmoil comes in life when one expects others to validate them. Embrace the self within. Accept it. Love it. Then form where that value is going to spring forth from. How is it going to flow through me, throughout the universe? Absolutely. And when that flow starts happening through me, then I am connecting with the universe. When I'm connected with the universe, I share that energy. And when I share the energy, I cannot be stressed. Can you, I mean, any of our listeners, can you think of a time when you were stressed, you would 
feel low on energy. You would you feel your spirits going down. You would not feel like doing much, right? Because energy and stress are antipolar. When you're high on energy, there is no stress. There, there is nothing to pull you back. So by getting into this flow, getting into this connection with the universe, what you're doing is pulling energy in. And what you can do to sabotage yourself at that point in time is have holes in your energy channel which fritter away all that energy that you're <laughs> accumulating. It's like a kitchen sieve. You know, all of the yeah. good stuff flows out. What's left <laughs> is that sediment that holds us down. That's how I'm going to relate. I'm going to pull that from my chef experience today. We look at that sauce, that juice is what we're wanting sometimes. But what we hold on to is what's left. We could flip that, you know, and there's, that's not to create our own hole. Sometimes you are filtering out what's left and that is the gold you sift. Yeah. <laughs> Life is full of duality. We can only look at it one way so long until we have to look at it from the other. Yeah. So, well, when, when the idea is to sift gold, it's a different thing, but I like your juice analogy because what you're, what you're going for is the juice and that's what the fruit is for. And let's look at it this way, that within a pipe, which has got this energy flowing through it, if there are these holes, then what's coming out of the pipe at the other end, let's say you start the pipe when you wake up and the other end is when you go to sleep, through the day, your energy keeps diminishing. You keep losing it along the way. Now, how would it be if you were in this flow, if you were doing the right thing with the earlier three Ps, you weren't projecting or you're catching yourself when you were, you were clear about whether you're possessing the possession or it's possessing you. And if you were uh, perceiving things in different ways and how else, you would keep adding to this energy in the pipe. So even when you reach the end of the pipe, the end of the day, you would still be energized. But where do we lose this energy? We lose it in the fourth P, which we've got to be very clear about. And that is in our priorities. So when we are mucked up with our priorities, we are stressed. It is a perfect invitation to making those elephants walk all over your cave. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a big trigger. We look at that notion of prioritizing stuff. So often it eats up our time. It forces us into decisions. How do we start to avoid some of that? That's a great question. So Jeffrey, the reason why we have these priorities uh, or the lack of prioritizing, eating up time, as you said, is because everything that we do becomes a decision point. And a decision would go in your favor, would go against you. You would get into the future. You would get into the past. You would stop being where you are. And unless we are operating from where we are in the present, like they often say, the present is the gift. It is the gift because it allows us to create a preferred future. So instead of being inactive and confused in the present, we are decisive in the present because the decision is already taken care of by a priority. Priorities are in stone. Decisions are very easy. Priorities are uh, in sand. We, we don't know every time we come to a decision point, there's no reference point to look up to. So that's why we lose a lot of time. Now, there is, there is a study that I have been doing of two types of people. One are 
the the billionaires, the guys who write autobiographies, who've made it commercially, materially, and they have a lot of responsibility for shareholders, for employees, for uh, the, their customers and all that. And the second is the type who have a lot of responsibility because of what they say and what they mean in other people's lives. People like Gandhi or Mandela or Mother Teresa or spiritual masters. And I found a commonality in the priorities of all these people, all these types. And that's very interesting because why did I do this? I did this study because I was very stressed. And as, as an entrepreneur, I wanted to grow. And I said that the, the trade-off for growth, for success, if it's going to be stress, I can't handle any more of it. And that's where I started looking at well, who handles more of it, who's grown more than I have. <laughs> and I came to realize that, man, I probably got the equation wrong. Stress has nothing to do with success or growth. Stress has to do with how you manage your day from beginning to end with energy. Because time is outside of you. You cannot control it. What's inside of you is your energy. That's all you can control. So all this stuff about time management is a shitload of... <laughs> is time ever really time? You know, that's, that's kind of like a really vague term, but we have so many ways of looking at time that we've created so many bubbles and ripples that simply contradict. I was just involved in a great chat on this on LinkedIn yesterday. The whole perception of time becomes one giant ripple of illusion. Sometimes yep. time flies, sometimes time crawls, time gets away from us. You know, we create all of these bubbles of how we look at time. But at its core, so, that time is just simply a construct. True. So time has been measured so that we have a reference point for uh, our <laughs> activity. That's about it. You know, we don't get obsessed with the uh, weighing scale or with the uh, ruler. So why do we get obsessed with another metric of measurement? What we've got to get obsessed about is with the energy because that's inside us. Yeah. And that's the one that's connecting with the universe to get things done. And that's the one we are frittering away. That's the one we're losing as we go about our days. And we're losing it because we don't prioritize our lives according to five levels, which uh, all these successful people and spiritual masters seem to have done. They've cracked the formula. Let's walk through that. <laughs> Those five levels can serve as a reference point, can serve as a window simply to view things through. So let's look at those five levels today. Sure. That'll be, that'll be awesome if our listeners today can actually write this out for themselves. I have a line that captures this. It's, I think, an interesting line, so people may remember it. The line is, do flying fish have walking shoes? <laughs> You know, you open up the world of possibilities. <laughs> they swim, they fly, and they might as well have walking shoes in case the eventuality arises. But the reason why this line is uh, so is because the first alphabets, D, F, or FF, H, W, S, the flying fish have walking shoes. This is the order in which uh, you, dear listener, must put all the activities you do in a day. Check your activities through today, through the last week, through the last month, whatever is repetitive, whatever you do, and see which of these five levels they fall into. So what are the levels? So the D level 
is activities that connect you with divine energy directly. You know, D is divinity. And there, there are certain things that energize you directly. You inside feel connected with the universe. For many of us, that could happen through prayer. For many of us, it could be a song. For many of us, it could be uh, reading a particular author or an ideology or working on a passion project, like I work on renewalism. So anything I do as part of renewalism activity, it energizes me. And that, for you, could mean a few things, four, five, six things. Those are the things that you must bring into your day, if not all of them, some of them, if not for too long, at least for five minutes, at least. And not necessarily first thing in the morning, but bring it in so that the mind is waiting for that window when you engage in that activity. And when you do, again, you will be energized directly as well as you will stay energized because you've got a habit pattern that brings that D-level activity into your life every day. The FF is about our interactions with friends and family. So this is very interesting because many of the people I coach, they, they work on these things. And it takes uh, sometimes even months. It usually takes a few sessions over weeks, but even months to really ascertain who all to put in the FM segment. Because we feel that, okay, we have a spouse and that person ought to be in the FM segment, <laughs> but that person does not energize us anymore, <laughs> you know, or something like that. Once we've defined this inner circle, then anything connected with that inner circle automatically moves high on priority, higher than the HWS, which we will come to in a moment. And when that happens, we never have regret for things that we did, compromising friends and family. We don't want to do that. A, we don't want to have the energy of regret, of guilt, of shame. Yeah. We don't want to be in a position where uh, we have to take those decisions every time. Let's say my kids are in that FNF segment and I have to pick up the kids from a soccer game and I have a meeting. Now, that's a decision point. And it is for so many fathers where it needn't be. Because what you're going to do at the soccer game is going to be far more meaningful for your kid. And it's going to be aligned with having him in your inner circle. Great example so of this. Yeah, and I'm going to throw this out, not to toot my horn, but to serve as the illustration. This past holiday season, you know, it's behind me now. I'm leaning into the new year. But this past holiday season. I made an orchestrated effort to say the last two weeks of the year, all business stops. Lovely. All business stops. The friends, the family, my time were the priority. That's where my significant value lie. Investing in those things is going to power me through this next year in such a way that I'm grounded, that I'm energized. You know, I had time to just simply be me. And interact with others, changing that energy back and forth in a meaningful way without the distraction, without the expectation, without the outside program that said, I have to constantly overload on all of this other extraneous stuff until you prioritize it and give it meaning. It will be meaningless. You will find less meaning in it. You will find less value and potential in it until 
you yourself make that choice, that decision for yourself so you can serve others. I make that choice. Until it matters, it doesn't matter. You are illustrating it so perfect. That has to be that definitive. If we want to talk about being authoritative, if we want to talk about empowering ourselves, make the damn choice that matters to you because it matters to you, not because everyone is telling you from the outside that this should be your meaning. This should be your value. This should be your set point. I'm also saying that if it is meaningful for you to put your nose to the grindstone, do so, but make sure that voice comes from within. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you for the grace to allow me to be assertive in that today. I feel sometimes we have to step up and say, this is where I'm going to speak. This is where I'm going to breathe the life into the life I want to not only bring into my being, but to graciously offer to others. And Jeffrey, our listeners are going to see you as an example of success, living these priorities Just the way I'm describing them, even though it's not something that you probably uh, knew about in in the form of the flying fish line. Because the other thing that you've done is that you have prioritized FNF, the inner circle, in these two weeks to power the rest of the year. You've prioritized it above H, which is doing stuff that makes your heart happy. Now, podcasting makes your heart happy. And I noticed that you've taken two weeks off this as well. Yes. And that is important. It's almost unheard of sometimes to say, if I set it aside, it's going to somehow turn to vapor. The same momentum, the same connections that has become this show will still be there if they're true. If it's meaningful, it will continue to be meaningful. If it has value, people will value it. People will also value you, me, everyone else. If you place that trust in the value they provide, but that has to be a genuine trust. It has to be a knowing that says, I just simply have faith in you, Sandeep. You have faith in me, Jeffrey. It's faith. It's not an expectation loaded with what I think I'm going to acquire from it. It's simply, I allow you that space to be you and bring forth that potential. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if you look at uh, a person like Gandhi, I come from India, so he is kind of the father of this nation as we dub him. Yes. But he's a guy who stood for injustice. Fighting injustice made his heart happy. And he was a lawyer otherwise. He was the court already long, show long working hours. He was in South Africa, so which means by Indian standards in those days, he was working abroad, which is a very big deal. But that didn't matter. What mattered was, was he utilizing every opportunity that he got to fight injustice, which makes his heart happy, over and sometimes even in conflict with his W, his work. So work is what is bread and butter in terms of time, the time that we were talking about, which everybody attaches different meanings to. In terms of time, you might spend eight hours, 10 hours on this W. But unless you spent even 10 to 20 minutes on the edge, you're not going to be doing that W with your heart. And a lot of what you do as you build on what you're passionate about, what makes your heart happy, a lot of that will flow into your work and make you a lot more productive, make you a lot more effective in delivering whatever you, it is you have to deliver. Are we looking at that work as the bread and butter foundation of us, or are we looking at it sometimes as 
the jam and jelly that simply sweetens life. That's our Smucker's no, moment of the day today. <laughs> Is that bread and butter weighing you down? You know, do we place all of the priority in the work or do we allow that work to sweeten and enrich us? Do we allow it to be sweet and succulent? Do we allow it to be fulfilling or do we look at it as that thing that weighs us down? It's all perspective. And if you yeah. can't find that beauty in the work you do, Take the time to question why. Why is it you're doing what you're doing? And how is it that you can make the W and the H coincident? Yeah. It's something that is, okay, it's paying the bills, so to say. Yeah. But what you're doing with your H can pay the bills too, if you just get your purpose in place and get that aligned with what you do. Whatever you do, there would be there would be an administrative component. There would be things that are kind of boring. You know, you've got to, have those uh, uh, tweets going out and those marketing messages and stuff that may not be very enjoyable, which still would come under the W, the housekeeping and whatever else. But the rest of whatever is getting you bread, butter, jam, jelly could become the H. Some of it could become the D. Think of it that way. I want to share a little secret with you today about a podcast booking and matching platform I truly love. As a podcast host and guest, my go-to podcast booking app is podmatch.com. If you currently have a podcast, regularly guest on podcast, or if you are new to the podcasting game looking to start your show, podmatch.com is an industry leader. They quickly and effortlessly connect ideal podcast guests and hosts. Their process is super easy and highly effective. Create your free guest or host account and set up your profile. It's really that easy. And the Podmatch AI will work its magic in the background, delivering your ideal interview matches within minutes, tailored uniquely for you. As a host and executive producer of the Top 100 Self-Improvement Podcast, The Light Inside, I found more high-quality guests on Podmatch than anywhere else and in a fraction of the time. So if you're looking to expedite your podcast booking experience, fill in your calendar with high-engagement content, creating value and meaning for your listening community. Check out podmatch.com, that's P-O-D-match.com, today and discover your ideal match magic. realignment brings to mind this concept you so often bring to the forefront of renewalism. You know, there's such value in breathing life into someone's self while being that water for others. How do we start to begin to surface this sense of renewalism in our own lives? Well, thank you for asking. Yes, I'm going to come to viewers with uh, listeners with uh, renewalism in just a moment. Let me just finish with the shoes, the S, the last that line. Yes, we, we jumped out of that's line there. That, Yeah, no, that, that's another walk one that back in line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a short one. It is, um, and you, you, you can't even imagine how excited I have to 
to move on to renewalism from here. But guys, S is for the social circle. So what we didn't have in the inner circle, the friends and family, all of that, including social media and all messaging platforms and all of that is S. How much time do you actually spend on W and S in your normal day? And how much of your life is determined by how you prioritize things down there? If you just move things up and fix activities in the higher boxes, you will have energy flowing through you a lot more. And you will do the social activities as well a lot more uh, effectively. You will actually be able to cancel social engagements, which your heart is not into, with a sense of alignment, with a sense of confidence, with a sense of righteousness, without being arrogant, without being offensive. And that's just because you've got your priorities in place. Yeah, I feel it's essential. We allow ourselves some grace to simply accept where one is at. I feel this swings us back then to this notion of renewalism. How do we find that grace to offer ourselves that sense of renewalism? Ooh, thanks. So what is renewalism? Renewalism is about renewing ourselves. It comes from my book, which is a book called Renewal. And it uh, is about renewing at three levels. The level of the self, which brings our body, mind, and spirit in alignment so that we are charged up. Now, everything that we, we are doing to keep with the flow, to keep connected, is so that we have energy and we are constantly renewing our energy. We're not dissipating it. We're not letting it lose. We're not letting it away. So that is self-renewal. Then our relationships with other people, how we interact with people, with money, with the environment, all of that. Those are our symbiotic relationships. And how do we give and take over there? What do we do? Because it's all within us to make that flow smooth and, and symbiotic. To, in fact, get others to change their perceptions because of the way that we are projecting. So that is the second level of renewal. And the third level of renewal is the renewal of systems. And this is particularly uh, relevant to companies and governments and uh, organizations because over time, we have just got so busy being busy doing things that we've lost sight in most cases of why we were doing them. Brings, brings me back to that why. <laughs> so important to continually ask that. Why does that system work? Now, for example, in the pandemic, we found that there were so many things that were thrust upon us, like online schooling, like telecommuting, which could have been done by design because the impact of telecommuting, for example, uh, has been so great on environmental pollution, on uh, keeping the skies blue and uh, all of that, that it's something that we ought to have designed for, planned for. Likewise, schooling, it need not be stressful when the bandwidths and the laptops and the, uh, the playtime and the social interaction time is all defined by design. It suddenly slapped upon you and you have to execute the next 48 hours. <laughs> it becomes very stressful. But why should that be so? So again, who's written these policies? Who's made these systems? That's a great point of renewalism. We look at nature and we're planning out some other things throughout the course of this season. I'm looking at how nature simply knows. 
to reference that point, you know, we look at what happened during the COVID shutdown, when the planes weren't in the skies, when the cars weren't driving, things cleared up a little bit. It'll be interesting to see how those numbers play out in hindsight when we can get a good frame of reference, because we've been so aware and focused on that immediacy of self. Sometimes too much focus on self clouds that external vision to align yourself with others and other things. It'll be interesting to look back and see how nature stepped in and said, I gave you the damn clues all along. You just weren't aware. <laughs> I hope that didn't take us too far out of the talk on renewalism. I yield the floor. Well, that's, <laughs> Jeffrey, you're absolutely right. That's so essential that we learn from nature and we align with nature. Because where does our awakening come from? It comes from us, which is a part of nature. We are not separate from it. And oneness with nature, in fact, is uh, a chapter in this book. What is this oneness about and how do we regain it? Because we had it and we lost it because of all these distractions outside. And then disease started coming because of these distractions. You know, like the video games, they, they are calling for such short uh, response times yeah. that the human body is not designed for that. We're designed to handle one elephant a week. <laughs> Nothing has changed in that body. But now you're getting these elephants every nanosecond, you know. <laughs> We're not designed for it. And then we complain about ADHD. We complain about uh, so many disorders at, with such young children. It's difficult to imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Why are they coming in? Because of the external distractions, technology that we have. There's a word that we use in renewal. It is called obfuscative. So, you know, something that's not objective and not subjective. It is when something ought to be objective, but we use uh, subjectivity to we yes. are the majority in that direction. Technology is one such thing. Money is another such thing. It's a piece of paper, but the majority has been weird into thinking that that is everything. Whether it's 100 written on it or 10 written on it, that, that changes everything. Even religion is obfuscated. So are we obfuscating ourselves mm. and our children through our conditioning, through our schooling, through our uh, uh, social processes? And the answer is yes. I'm going to add that to my list of words. You know, we talk about making these list of words. That's a great word to bring into my awareness for 2022. How are we simply obscuring things from ourselves and from others is at the core of that awareness. What are we blinding ourselves to? What are we building walls from? And how do we simply allow ourselves the space to open to all of that beautiful potential? And why are we giving definitions to things that are driven? The definitions are driven by vested interests. Hmm. The more you connect with nature, the more you'll find the rhythms with which we ought to prioritize, with which we ought to go with the flow. Coherence by comes to creating all these concrete jungles, we're getting away from those. By creating all these distractions with all this technology, we're being made to believe that that is the, the sign of progress. That is how we say we're civilized. Check again. Renew. We look at that idea of the system. You know, the somatic experience is our body connected to that flow. Coherence is the state when all of those systems are in balance and we have that sense of 
homeostasis. So often we look at that with a derogative view. Being okay gets so stigmatized that we start to create that resistance that automatically blocks that flow. And then we conform. And that is the beginning of the end. So that's the problem. It's about questioning the conformity, questioning what it is that we are doing, from which conditioning, from which pattern is that arising? And is it natural to us? And if it is not, then why do we continue doing it? What is it that we can do instead? And when was the last time that we experimented with this? So this experimentation is something that I recommend people do on a fairly regular basis, maybe on on a weekly basis, where you check out, if you change certain things, what happens? And two things will happen. (laughs) One, you will discover possibilities. And two, you will break the notion that it's difficult to form habits because you're always experimenting, you're always doing something over a week. It becomes something that you do routinely, especially when it's with the flow and it becomes a habit. So the way to renewal is through your habits and which is why it's such an individual personal exercise. And each person, as we start renewing, take consumerism, for example, uh, renewalism or a renewalist can overthrow a consumerist and change global dynamics, global economies in every way. The only reason why so many things are being done is because there is a commercial interest in propagating that. Let's say we decide that we're going to stop buying uh, packaged food. Why? Because packaged food is processed. Uh, I'm talking about food that's processed and packed, not food that comes from uh, agriculture produced and is put in in packs for convenience, but uh, stuff like chips which are so far removed from the original potato and so uh, deeply infused with chemicals, that's a good starting point. If we, as a habit, one of us and each one of us can stop buying potato chips, it's not going to hurt us in a very big way, but it could change those potato chip manufacturing companies completely and they might start doing things differently. So that's, that's where that experiment for a week, <laughs> go off potato chips for a week, let's see what happens. <laughs> How we nourish that body, that biosystem that is us contributes to our level of stress. There's a lot of evidence to support that. That's going to come up later in the season with our program. Lovely. But that does bring us back full circle to this notion of stress. You know, we create some of our stress in reaction to our intuition about that. We know sometimes inherently that we're not fueling ourselves in a way that's nurturing and causing us that fruitful sense of being. Yeah. We're going to leave that out there for a pickup later on in the season, but that brings us back to another step that creates that stress. And we'll leave that open today. I think we'll leave that door there to go down later on. I want to share your book on renewal with our listening community. I'm going to put that up in our book club for the month of January. And we're going to include that link. So, Where can our listeners go to connect with you, Sandeep, and renew this source of knowledge, renew this awareness as we start a new year? What a a wonderful place to plant our flag and launch into a new cycle of being. Very appropriate, isn't it? Renew yourself as you move into 2022. So it's great. I'm going to be sticking on to listening to all your episodes because I look forward to that one about food. It is very important. In fact, It it may interest the listeners to know that long before language was invented, 
there was the concept of life force energy that feeds us, which was discovered by the meditators. And I, I've worked with ancient oriental wisdom for the last 15 years. I've been distilling that stuff. So the, when they made the language, they made the word chi, which is QI. You can Google that up, which means life force energy in Mandarin. And the way it's written is a combination of two words. You know, Mandarin is, is a pictorial script. So the word for air is half of chi. Mm. And the second half is the word for rice. Because your life force energy, which you, which you build up on a day-to-day -day basis, comes from the quantity, quality, frequency, and blah, blah, of how you breathe, the air that goes in, and what you eat. It is that integral mm. to keeping your energy uncontaminated, which is why I'm on this campaign against uh, packed foods. Because <laughs> that's your chi. And if your energy is going down by the stuff that you're taking in, your stress is going up without any any specific thing that you might do to trigger it. So I look forward to that one. Yes. And uh, <laughs> it's very important. And yes, I'd love uh, listeners to tune into renewalism.com. Renewalism.com is where you can connect with me as well. You can reach out. Otherwise, I'm on sandeeptalks.com. And uh, that that's where... Um, you have a lot more videos and stuff about me as a person, but uh, love people to get connected with the renewalism movement and form renewal clubs in your areas and see how we can we can work together. You know, like Alcoholics Anonymous, you just work together on changing consciousness, on peer level empowerment. That yes, we can make these habits and we can change global economics in every way. Such That's an right. integral and essential message to start our new year out with. Namaste, Sandeep. The light in me acknowledges the light in you, my friend. I am so grateful to have you here today and share this renewed sense of energy with us and bring us forth into 2022. Thank you. Thank you. And thank all you listeners. Have a brilliant year ahead. Thanks a lot. Let's do this again soon. I'd love to share some more insight with you. Thank you. Awesome. All of life is an experiment. The more experiments one makes, the better. Are you willing to question your own beliefs and simply allow yourself to test your balance? The truest nature of knowing rests in our experimentation, in our faith in the unknown, and the quiet acceptance of our relationship with the unseen. Sandeep and I have explored how to change our relationship to stress. We look instead at the path to creating a simple state of ease and flow. Change begins within. Now here's your chance for change. Take a moment and join us for this week's prompt. Take out a piece of paper and jot down a few things which create stress in your life. Then sit with them, thinking about how you can view them with a refreshed sense of renewal. You can be the change you wish to see in your life. With the new year, every day, a new opportunity for growth. We're super grateful for allowing us to grow alongside you, our valued listening community. That's why I'm excited to approach this new year with new eyes, as our team brings you new opportunities to continue on this journey, allowing us all to shine a little brighter in 2022. Join us next week as we welcome author, spiritual teacher, and inspirational speaker, Ann Hintz. Tune in as Ann shares how looking within at our somatic experience shapes our outer world. To find out more, join us next week on The 
light inside. <laughs>